Luke chapter 12, verse number 13. Amen. Where is Sister Rizza? Hallelujah. Bring Sister Rizza to me. Please, somebody. Paul, bring her to me. You <laughs> Charge Paul to bring her to me. That's right. Come on, Rizza. Hallelujah. You stand right here. We've been praying for healing um, for everybody that we can think of. And um, we want God to touch Sister Rizza. We prayed this morning already. We're going to pray again that God will touch her body and that by his stripes she will be healed and all the pain will be removed from her body and God will give her strength. Pray with me. Stretch your hands towards Sister Rizza. Let's pray. Father, huh, in the name of Jesus, Lord, by the power of your name and by the authority of your word, I command every ailment and sickness and disease to come out of her body right now and that the pain will come out of her body right now and that by your stripe Lord God she will be healed she will be made whole and she will be free from pain right now from the crown of her head to the sole of her feet I pray that by your stripe and your healing virtue to be released in this body and that this body will be free from aches and free from pain, free from diseases, free from sicknesses. Lord, I pray and I ask in the name of Jesus, 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 be healed, be made whole in Jesus' name. Come on, let's thank the Lord right quick. Come on, thank him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. He kakarabaha sotoramaho. Etelemosiki alnarabaha. Hallelujah. Jesus, we give you honor and praise. Jesus, we give you honor and praise. Let me tell you something. Hmm. Hmm. It's not by might, nor by power, but it's by my spirit, saith the Lord. I got to tell you something this morning, church. Sometimes the enemy will come in. And when he comes in, your flesh become paralyzed. Oh, my God. But I'm telling you, greater is he that is in you. Greater is he that is in you. And we have to tap into the power of God, the power that is within us. That when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard. And this morning I'm calling for the people of God that are filled with his Spirit to call on the name of God and say, Jesus, let your Spirit take control and let my flesh be of None effect. Let the Spirit of God take control. We may be weak, but God is so strong. We may be tired, but God is never tired. We may be worried, but God has it all under 
control if we will just call on his name this morning and say, Jesus, I call on your name. I don't feel right. I don't know what to do. Everything seems to be coming against me. But I call on your name, Jesus, that you will rescue me, that you will help me, that you will save me. We can't lean to our own understanding. We have to trust in the Lord with all of our heart. We have to trust in the Lord with all of our heart and lean not to our own understanding. Church, if we don't practice depending on Him, We're going to put our tails between our legs when we feel uncomfortable, when we feel like we're being attacked, when we feel like things are not working. If we don't lean to start, learn to start leaning on him and depending on him, when things start to go wrong, you will just let it just happen to you. And it's not God's will that anything just take control of your life. God is the only one that wants to be in control of your life. The Bible says he's a jealous God. And if he's a jealous God, it means he don't want nothing or nobody to take over your life or to wreck your life or to do anything with your life. Only he alone should be working in our lives. Nobody else. Nobody else. And so when you feel like things are not working right, when you feel like the the, the stuff is coming against you, understand this. Hear me again. Don't get mad at people. The devil used people to get on your nerves. The devil used people to get on your nerves. So when people start to come against you, when people feel like they're attacking you, when when it seems like people are trying to come against you, or they're going against what you think or believe, when you feel like that, understand that the devil used people to come against you. But God is strong, and God has confidence in you, and God knows what he should stop you from and what he should let come to you. And if you allow it to come to you, just understand what the devil means for evil. God will make it for good. If God allowed them to get on your nerves, if God allowed them to come against you, if God allowed them to test you, then God is trying to do something in you. Because if God thought they can destroy you, then God will say, oh no, I'm not letting that go to them. But God knows is there to help you, not to destroy you. Whatever it is that you're worrying about this morning, I'm here to tell you stop worrying. But you gotta trust God to handle your business. You gotta trust Jesus to work on your behalf if you're not gonna worry. But if you're gonna worry, you can't worry. You can't worry about what's going on. You can't worry about it. You don't know what tomorrow may bring. You don't know what's ahead of you. And while it might seem doom and gloom right now, while it might seem like things are not going right right now, while it might seem like the future is bleak, I want you to trust God this morning and say, God, I trust you. It looked like things are about to fall apart. It looked like things are about to happen in a negative way. But I'm here to tell you this morning, you can't see the future, but God knows the future. You can't see the results, but God knows the results. Just trust God this 
morning. Mm. Hallelujah. Help us, Jesus. Help us, Jesus. Help us, Holy Ghost. Help us, Holy Ghost. Why don't somebody just talk to the Lord for a moment right now? Why don't you just tell him what you feel? Tell him, tell him, tell him this morning. God can only work on our behalf when we make known unto him what the need is. Why don't somebody pray with me right now and let God know. God, we have needs in this house this morning. Some of us are spiritually low. Some of us are frustrated. Some of us are hurt, Lord. Some of us are disappointed, Almighty God. Some of us don't have an answer. Some of us don't know what to do anymore. Some of us, Almighty God, need to know how to pray, how to get in touch with you. Some of us are bound, Almighty God, and can't seem to shake free to be able to worship, to be able to praise you. But God, I ask this morning, in the name of Jesus Christ, that for every need that we have in this house, that you will do exceeding and abundant above whatever we can ask or think. And Lord, what we have need of today, we place it before you. And we say, God of heaven, Jesus of Nazareth, hear our cry. For we say and petition you for all of our needs this morning. Will you help us? Will you help us, oh God? 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 In the name of Jesus. Luke chapter 12 verse 13. Let me tell you something. You know... If you had any big brothers, you understand this, but I didn't have any big brother, but having friends and rolling with friends, I understand this. And, you know, when you have someone that was older and they were bad, you can trust that they will always defend you and that when you get in the jam, you can always call for your big brother or even for some big sister, for some your friends, your 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 your, your rolling partner, you can call and says, "Come on, I need help." And church, I want you to know I'm on your side. I'm on your side. And while I can't physically go and beat up everything that tries to come against you, I certainly can get on my knees because that's my most powerful weapon that I have. And I certainly can get on my knees and pray and come against everything that's coming against you. I certainly can pray and ask God to help you. And everything that I sense in my spirit this morning, I'm just calling on the name of the Lord for you. Because days I stand here and I worry about you. And I don't have the answer. And I can't fix all the problems. But God can. God can. And I'm going to stand here every time I can. And I'm going to stand in the gap for you and call on the name of Jesus for you. Because it's God's will for you to walk in your purpose and to walk in the plans and promises of God. And so I stand here today, this morning, just uncomfortable in my spirit because whatever is coming against you, I'm coming against it this morning. 
I'm not having, I'm not having it this morning. And I get tired of the enemy getting the best of the people of God. And so this morning, I'm just fighting in the spirit to let God's will be done for you. Luke chapter 12, verse number 13. The word of the Lord says, and one of the company said unto him, Master, speak to my brother that he divide the inheritance with me. And he said unto him, man, who made me judge or divider over you? And he said unto them, take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisted not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, Thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then those shall, then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. I want entitled message today, Rich Toward God. Rich Toward God. You may be seated. Most of us today who are earning a living are doing so to be sure we have food to eat. We have clothes to wear, a place to live, pay our bills, and to be sure, our family has the same as well. Eventually, we eye retirement and put some energy and focus toward that. In other words, we earn a living to be sure we care for our immediate needs and our future needs. While we want to be wise in our stewardship, to be sure we can take care of our immediate needs and our retirement financial comfortability, we must be careful that we do not become consumed with such a lifestyle. We need to eat. We need to drink. We need to have clothes on our back. We need a place to live. We, we need to have the necessities of life to be sure we live. And the only way we can have that is if we honestly earn a living. But doing so can become very consuming. Giving most of our time to obtain abundance is irresponsible. I'll say that again. Giving most of our time to obtain abundance is irresponsible. The Bible says fools 
The Bible says, not this guy. The Bible says fools spend all their time storing up treasures for themselves, but neglect to become rich towards God. There's a scripture in the Bible in Matthew chapter 6, verse number 19. It says, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. The Bible is trying to tell us something. Yes, we need to make sure we work and earn the living that we need to live, the, the lifestyle that we're trying to live, earn a living and take care of ourselves. Yes, we need to do so. But the Bible wants us to understand that we must be careful not to store up these treasures because these treasures, the, the things we do to obtain these treasures, these material things, these things of life, what we have to do to obtain and to have them. Guess what? The Bible wants us to know they are not guaranteed to remain in our control. They're not guaranteed to be our possession for long term. It's not guaranteed. It can be corrupted and it can be stolen from us. So what do you do, preacher? We got to work to earn a living. We got to do what we got to do to make sure we can feed our family. That's all true. Let me go on. There is a saying that I have heard and you may have heard as well. And that saying is the more you have, the more you want. I've also come to discover also that I can also say the more you have, the more you will need to maintain what you have. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You start obtaining stuff and now you start needing. I never forgot the great story I heard uh, Mike Tyson told. And Mike Tyson told that he didn't, he didn't think about this because, you know, Mike Tyson went broke. But at one point, he made more money than anybody else, but he went broke. And so one of the stories he told was he bought this really nice big house that he enjoyed. And he just loved the house. Now, when he bought the house, all he thought about was the house. You know what he said? He said landscaping killed him. Landscaping. Making sure the grass is cut, the trees are just, everything is perfect. So landscaping alone, he said, cost him $21 million a year. Landscaping. But he didn't think about landscaping. All he knew was he saw that house and says, wow, I love that house. It's big and has everything that I need. But he never thought about landscaping. So he had to do what he had to do to not just buy the house, but to maintain the house. And so the more we have, the more we're going to need to maintain what we have. If not, we're going to lose it. Uh huh. It's easy to get consumed with a lifestyle of comfort and abundance of material possession. It's easy. Jesus said in Luke chapter 12, verse 15, take heed and beware of covetousness for a man's life consisted not in the abundance of the things which he possessed. Now stop for a minute, slow it down and think about that. Let's be honest. Aren't we looking around at each other 
and that's what's really running the life of everybody? Let's be honest. We think those that have the most, they got it going on the most. That's what we've concluded. That who has the most possession are the ones that's doing the best. And so we all need to try our best to get the most possession so we can see where, what position we fall in, in trying to have a lot of possession. Where's our position? Mm-hmm. And here comes Jesus. Here comes the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Creator of all things, the one who is the Almighty, the one who is coming back for us. Here comes Him saying, take heed. Beware of covetousness, which is greediness or, 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 you know, desiring other people's stuff. He said, take heed. For a man's life consisted not in the abundance of things which he possessed. And so we go around and we start saying, Bezos. We start calling all these rich people name and they are the focal point of what we talk about. Material things. And you know what we're saying? Man, I, I know I will never catch up with him, but let me store up and have my own little riches. Let, let me do what I got to do to store up and have my own little riches. Because in actuality, what we're doing is we're following after them. And Jesus is saying, no, your life cannot consist in abundance of material things. When are we going to start looking at our life and say, what's going on here? We would be wise to assess our life to see if what we possess is due to our greed or what we see others with and desire to have those things for ourselves. Because we're kind of really teetering on, on those two. We're either trying to Heap up material things to say, I got a lot. Or we see people with stuff that we're saying, "Mm, I want that too. That's kind of where we're teetering. That's kind of how we're living our lives. But I'm glad that you're here today, church. And because you're here today, I'm just going to assume 100% that you're trying to find a way to live right, to do what God want to do in your life, to fulfill your purpose for why you were created. I'm just going to assume 100% that you want to do what's right before God. And what God is saying is we can't trust and live our lives just thinking about how much material things we can possess and store up. We can't do it church? Will you hear what I'm saying today? Will you hear what I'm saying today? We're here today to hear from heaven. We're here today for God to work in our lives. We're here today to find out the real purpose and meaning of life and who we are and who he is and why did we come here? How did we get here? We're here today for that. And so Let's be honest with ourselves today. I'm preaching to everybody, even the preacher. I'm preaching to the preacher this morning. Because God ain't no respect of persons. And what God is trying to get us to do is be rich towards him. And we are living the life that's making us rich towards ourselves. 
ultimately, oftentimes it seems like most of us are living our lives competing with each other. We are living our lives competing with each other. You got that? So I'll get this. You got that? I'll get one like that, but better. We're competing with one another. We're looking to see what someone else has, and we're trying to one-up them, as y'all like to say. But God is trying to get us to understand that's not what life is all about. Obtaining material possessions, obtaining wealth and riches, that's not what life is all about. And God is trying to get us to understand that. Mm-hmm. We are trying to outdo each other. And unfortunately, who is trying to be like Jesus? Don't get quiet on me now. We're trying to be like P. Diddy. Young people hear me. We're trying to be like Jay-Z. We're trying to be like all these celebrities. We're trying to be like all these accomplished people. But who is trying to be like Jesus? Who is trying to be like Jesus? Who is mimicking their life after Jesus? Who is looking to Jesus for answers? Who are we looking to and who are we trying to be like? You know what's a funny conundrum that I always think about in my mind? We all want to be special. I don't care what you think this morning. You want to be special. It's proven. It's a fact. You can't change that. You want to be special. And you are special. Do you think trying to be like someone make you special? So why do we do it? That's the conundrum that I think about all the time. We all want to be set aside and be different and be recognized as an individual to say, wow, yeah. That's all. All of us want to feel that way. We want to be set aside and be able to be looked at and says, you are special. You are different. I like that about you. I like this. You want to feel that way. But why are you trying to be like somebody else? You'll never get that because they're already being them. So you can never be special trying to be like somebody else. So ask yourself, why am I trying to do that? Be that. Follow that. Why don't I just be my own original self? (laughs) I just got a thought. I can probably talk to Julius because he'll remember. David will remember too. No wonder why. For a little bit of time, the five percenters was kind of, you know, making some headways. Y'all don't know about the five percenters. The five percenters used to say, the black man is the original man. Don't get offended. Just just hear me out because I'm trying to get you to understand something. And because they were saying that, they started getting the following. Why? I'm original. Yeah, the black man, the original man. I'm G. I'm God. I'm little G. That's what we were going around saying. Not me. I never got into that. But I'm just saying the ones that I knew, my friends, that was like that. 
And people gravitated to that following because they wanted to be recognized. Why do you think the gangs work? We're following mess. We're trying to be like others. We're hooking up with the wrong things. All because we want to be recognized. And the question is, you can never be recognized following other people, trying to be like other people. So why are we doing it? Why? But if we follow Jesus, he will always recognize you as being special. And Jesus, you ready for this one? Jesus will allow you to be who you are even in you following him. Jesus is not telling you, remember, your personality came from him. Who you are came from him. So he would be crazy to create you a certain way and say, no, 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 no. I don't want you to be like that. God, you created me like this. What do you mean you don't want me to be like that? So he is telling us, I want you to be who I created you to be, and now you're going to live according to the way I direct you. And so when you follow Jesus, you become the real you because he's going to make sure you be the authentic you as to who he created you to be. And you don't have to be like anybody else. And guess what? When you are the authentic you, that's when you are special because there ain't nobody else like you. What they say, DNA is one of the greatest things that ever happened, right? Because you can't get out of DNA. Once they run the DNA and it match you, you're done. Because we realize DNA, not so much fingerprint, DNA is probably better. It, it says who you really are. It's your identity. Right? And so the bottom line is, if you will just be who you are, you will be special because there's none like you. None like you. And we don't have to chase what everybody else is doing. How about we start doing what we think we need to do for ourselves and stop looking on the outside, looking on the outside, trying to figure, see what, what we need to accomplish. Who is going to be like Jesus? If we're not careful, we can spend all of our young, healthy, strong life trying to store up much possessions that we can retire comfortably. And guess what? If we work hard enough, we do the right things with our 401k and all of our retirement stuff, and we take care of what we need to take care of now, and we do all of that, when retirement comes, you know what we're saying? I got to put my foot up now, drink my lemonade, just sit back and enjoy life. That's kind of how life is set up. Let me work. Let me accomplish things. Let me possess things. Let me have things. And then I can retire and take it easy. If that's the life you live, my question to you is, where was Jesus while you were doing that? Was Jesus at the center of your life while you were young? 
and strong and healthy and working a good job, working two jobs, working three jobs like I did one time and, and, and obtaining stuff and doing things and, and, and putting away money for retirement and saving up money for this and making sure you have this and getting investment going. And now you just wait until when 65, 68 come, then you say, woo, that was a lot of years I worked so hard. Nobody gave me nothing. I worked hard, kids. I did everything. I sent my kids through school. I I, I made sure I paid off my house. You know, I did everything that I could while I had strength and energy. And I gave it all. And I did what I had to do. And now I don't need nobody bothering me. I just want to chill in my nice retirement home. We downsized. I'm in my nice chair sitting on my porch. I got my lemonade. Honey, bring me some lemonade. And we sit on the porch and we drink lemonade. We play cards. We don't worry about a thing. We don't even answer the phone because we're enjoying the fruits of our labor for all those years. That That's kind of how we do it. But my question is, where is Jesus? Nobody lives forever. Nobody lives forever. And we need to start getting honest about relationship. We can, we can act like we, 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 can, we can ignore what truth is about relationship, but it will come back to bite you when you get older. There's a lot of people that are older right now that are miserable. I don't think they thought they would be miserable. But here is what happened. They were so single-mindedly focused on what they had to do as a person to work and accomplish and do what they had to do, and they did all of it, and they retire, and now they're lonely. Because you can't beat what God called you, what God created you to be. You cannot be anything other. Everything that you're going to try to be other than what God created you to be, it's, 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 it's not real. And at some point in time, you're going to have to deal with reality. So if you live your life single-mindedly, just doing your business, doing your business, no relationships, when you get old, you're going to be miserable. You're going to be miserable. Nobody come by and see you. The kids don't want to be around you. Because the mindset that it takes to everyday work and everyday earn your way and obtain your thing, it makes you say, I gave everything for this. You, 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 you. And when everything is about you, you will end up just with you and you're going to be miserable with just you. And God said, it is not good that man should be alone. You try living by yourself, you're going to die real quick. That's heavy. But I just got to tell you because I love you so much. I just got to tell you because I care about you so much. I just got to tell you because I'm mandated by God to tell you. Leave no stone unturned, preacher. And so we're worried about that life that we're going to spend doing everything we want or trying to do what we think is right. And then we end up lonely. Nothing happening. And we're going to be miserable because nobody's going to come around us. Nobody's going to come visit because you've got to reap what you sow. you got to. If you don't help people and work with people and give the people and get involved with people while you can, then when you get older, nobody will have anything to do with you. 
Luke chapter 12, verse 24 says, Consider the ravens. I'm going to read it in the NIV version. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn. Yet, God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. You. Us. The birds don't sow anything. So they don't have the right to reap anything. They don't store up anything. But God see to it that the birds, the birds are okay. Uh huh. Then God says, how much more valuable are you than birds? You think if I do that with the birds, I'm not going to take care of you? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? Try add some time to your life. You think you can by eating healthy, drinking green tea? Since you cannot do this very little thing, add into your life. Why do you worry about the rest? God is trying to give us some understanding. Since you can't prolong your life, why are you going to worry about all the other stuff? Because what God is trying to get us to understand is we can store up all we want. But you may not wake up the next day. Then what was that all about? What was that all about? They said, my man Kobe is a billionaire. What is that all about? Can he spend a dollar of it now? If we're not careful, we can spend our lifetime here on earth building our own kingdom all for nothing. We can spend our lifetime here on this earth Building our own kingdom all for nothing. The problem with our kingdom is this. Our kingdom is temporary. It will not last very long. But the kingdom of God is eternal and indestructible. Hmm. Get ready to go somewhere, church. Here's some more thinking about God. Here's some more of God's mind that he's sharing with us. Luke 16, 12. This is heavy right here. I remember I heard this some years ago, and I just blew it off. I knew what it meant, but I tried not to entertain anything that will make me go sideways. And I'll tell you in a second what I'm saying. Luke chapter 16, verse number 12 says this, and if ye have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? If ye have not been faithful in that which is another man's, the word of God is saying, Until you become faithful to somebody else's stuff, you'll never have your own stuff. 
I remember hearing that some years ago. And it, it, it hit me because I knew what it was. I knew what it was pertaining to. So I'll, I'll share the mind of Wayne a little bit with you. So being in church, I, before I was pastoring, I knew some things and I would just serve the Lord. And I knew when the Lord started showing me that he was going to call me to this position in ministry. But I always try to deny it. That, that, that's one of my issues. It, I just try to ignore it. I always try to push it aside. I didn't want to deal with it. I will always hear it, and I always try to push it aside. I never want to deal with it because here's my thinking, how my mind works. I don't want anything to sidetrack me from the moment. I never want anything to sidetrack me from the moment. And if you keep hearing all of this stuff and all of that stuff, if you don't stay focused on the moment, you will be pulled to the left or pulled to the right. So whenever I hear things, I would say, Lord, get that out of my mind because I didn't want to be sidetracked. But I knew that God spoke to me that day. And what God was telling me was, Wayne, you've been faithful over another man's business. That was one of the moments that marked it. And I said, ah. God, you, you keep on opening up the, my understanding as to what you're getting ready to do. And I try my best to just ignore it. But he would bring that one back. You've been faithful over somebody else's business. You can never go where God want to take you until you become faithful over the person that he put you under. You can try to make your own way, but you will crash and burn. But if you decide that I know God wants to do something in my life, you have to now serve under that leadership that you're under like it's your own. Those of you that knew me before I was here, you know that's what happened. They thought that (laughs) somebody said Pastor Naylor was the gun and Wayne was the bullet. Nail is the gun and Wayne is the bullet. You need the bullet to fire the gun, but you need the gun to fire the bullet. (laughs) My point is, we have to be faithful to somebody else's vision. We must be faithful to somebody else's stuff. And when we do that, it's, it's amazing how we're so anti how the Lord wants us to be. Because our mindset is always looking out for number one. Our mindset is always, what can I do to enhance my business? And God is saying, you will be trusted with your own when you have shown that you can be faithful over someone else's and you not disrespected and do it any, any old kind of way. So the scripture says, if. Ye have not been faithful in another which is faithful in that which is another man's. Who shall give that which is yours? If we don't become faithful, you ready for this? In building up God's kingdom, we will never inherit it. That's where it was going. If you're trying to go to heaven, church, hear me. I'm getting ready to take it down. If you're trying to go to heaven, you got to work with Jesus to fulfill his vision for his kingdom. 
If you plan to go to heaven, you got to get involved and be a part of building up the kingdom of God. If you don't do that, you can't inherit it. I'll give you, I'm going to give you two scriptures about that, but let me give you the first one. Fear not, Luke chapter 12, verse 32. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Oh my goodness, this is so good. You don't understand. In the natural, if your family opened a business, the normal way of how things should be is the business get turned over to the kids. But the kids got to get involved with the business and learn to. Y'all ain't seeing it. The kids got to get involved with the business. They got to learn the business. They got to serve in the business. And probably not get no paycheck for a minute. They got to get involved with the business. They got to learn the business. They got to be involved and help the business to move forward. But the day will come when the parents say, hey, the business now belongs to you. You've shown how you can take care of it. You've shown that you care about it. You've shown that you love it. Now the business could be yours. And so God, that's a principle that came from God. And we don't even realize it. So what God is saying, Larry, is heaven, yeah, it's my kingdom. But don't worry about it. I'm God. I'm your father. Labor with me to advance it. Labor with me to make sure my will is being done. Labor with me so it will be all good. Because when you do that, I'm turning it over to you. That don't get y'all excited. So many people want to inherit the kingdom of God, but don't. How you think you're going to. God is so. It's a bad God, man. How you think you're going to be able to handle something if you don't learn to know it? How you going to be in the kingdom and do what you got to do in the kingdom if you don't learn the kingdom and the principles that govern the kingdom? We all want the inheritance of the kingdom, but do not know how to take care of it. But don't understand what the kingdom is all about. But when we get involved, when we learn, when we understand our purpose and our role and how we fit in the kingdom, then we will begin to grow. Then we will begin to have a passion, a desire, a love for the kingdom. And then the king of the kingdom can turn it over and say, it's yours, daughter. It's yours, son. All those years you labored. All those years you fought. All those years you cried. All those years you went to church service. All those years it was worth it because now the kingdom is yours. That don't incentivize you. Now you understand how it works. We all want to go to heaven because we just think we just supposed to go to heaven. God is good. I go to church on Sundays. I pray. I read my Bible. That don't equip you to be able to inherit the kingdom. This word is so good. Because we can only inherit the kingdom if we really get involved with it and learn it and understand it. He can't turn over the business to you if you don't know it. 
For some people, I'll, I'll, I'll use my um, my wife, my wife's family, and um, my father-in-law and my mother-in-law started a business in Irvington, and my mother-in-law, as some of you know, passed away some years after that, and so it left my father-in-law, and my father-in-law did what he could, and all the kids helped out here and there, um, but of all the kids, there was one, it seemed like, that had more passion for the business, and he was the one that ended up taking over the business. It's no big deal. The point of me telling you that is it will never change. If you become vested and you become passionate about the kingdom, you will inherit it. It will become yours. People don't get turn around and say, you can't come to heaven. It's not a it's not a you come, but you can't come. It's about you qualifying yourself or disqualifying yourself. Don't have nothing to do with it. God. You either qualified yourself or disqualified yourself. My, my sister-in-law, the youngest one, says, I want to be a nurse. I don't want to be in that business. So she wouldn't qualify herself to be a nurse. And she's a nurse. Right? Everybody had their thing that they wanted to do, but running the store up there, only one wanted to do it. As a matter of fact, my brother-in-law, the oldest one, he had a good job and he quit it. See, I'm going to take care of this because he had a passion for that. And so when you have a passion for the kingdom, automatically you inherit it. If you don't have a passion for it, you don't want to have nothing to do with it. Here's the caveat, though. But when that day comes and you have to give account for your soul, guess what? Keep on walking. Keep on walking. Because you can't, you can't not, you can't not care about the business. And then when hard times come, oh, what's going on with the business? You don't really care about the business. You just want what the business can offer you. Ooh-wee. So even when you turn back, when hard times hit you, this is where it kills me where people like to say, well, what about those people that are on their dying bed? If they just believe, won't they be saved? I just gave you the answer now. They didn't care about the business. They didn't care about the kingdom. But now that they're dying and they need the king of the kingdom to help them, they only want his help. They don't want nothing to do with his kingdom. And we cannot inherit the kingdom of God unless we care about it, unless we love it, unless we have a passion for it, unless we get involved and work in it. If we don't do it, we can't inherit it. You can't fool God. We cannot fool God. We can fool man, but we can't fool God. When we stand before God, we will have to give an account for what we did with our life. Did we live it for our own purpose or did we live it for his purpose? Because whoever you lived your life for, that's whoever you're going to die for. Whoever you live your life for, that's who you're going to die for. And in your death, what will be your inheritance? Matthew 6, 19, lay not up for yourselves 
treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, where thieves do not break through nor steal. The Bible is trying to tell us that you have to lay up treasures in heaven if you plan to inherit heaven. What are we doing to lay up some treasures in heaven? What are we doing to inherit some treasures in heaven? What are we doing? Are we laying up treasures in heaven? How do we do that? If we're going to lay up treasures in heaven, the life we live today, we got to ask ourselves, how does it benefit the kingdom? The life you're living right now and moving on from today, how is it benefiting his kingdom? Because who you live for will be who you die for. How do you demonstrate the love of God to others? Have you told somebody about Jesus? Did you ask God to use you to lead someone to him? Did you worship him today? How are you serving in his kingdom? Do you show love to your enemies? Do you bless them that curse you? Do you do good to them that hate you? And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Are you faithful to Christ? Which would make you faithful to his purpose and mission? Stand with me. I'm going to finish up here. James. Final scripture. James. Chapter 2, verse number 5. The Bible says, Hearken, my beloved brethren, had not God chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith. Listen to me. God is not expecting, and God is not wanting you to go around being a pauper, being busted and disgusted, have nothing. That's not what he's saying. If you notice most of the readings that talk about material things, it used the word abundance. I want you to remember that. It used the word abundance. And so I don't want you to believe that God don't want you to have the necessities. Don't want you to have what you need because he does and he will provide it for you. But what he's saying is when you start to get to the level of abundance, it will consume you. When you start to get to the level of abundance, you're now serving yourself. You're now living to benefit your life. You're now living to build up your kingdom. When it gets to the level of abundance. And so God is saying, had not God chosen the poor of this world rich in faith. And so what God is trying to tell us is when we're not consumed and concerned about abundance, we will be able to obtain faith. 
We will be able to, to, to now look for the things of God. We will now be able to, to, to get involved with the things of God because we're not consumed by abundance. He chosen, he has chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith, and heirs of the kingdom which he had, had promised to them that love him. If we say we love God, we can't not do anything concerning what he desired. We got we to gotta be honest with ourselves, church, and start pushing ourselves. We have a will. God gave us willpower. And we can will ourselves to do things we don't feel like doing. So we got to know what is right according to God and will ourselves to do it. Not wait to feel good to do it. Because if you wait to feel good to do it, you may never feel good to do it. You have to will yourself to do it. And so when it comes down to the things of God, you got to ask yourself, am I doing what I'm supposed to do? If I claim I love him, what am I doing? I say it all the time. You will not put up, most of you, will not put up with somebody saying they love you, but never show it. I don't know who's putting up with that. But we are so crazy to think, well, God will put up with that. Because that's what we're really essentially saying and doing when we don't do the things that please God, when we don't get involved in building up the kingdom. In essence, what we're saying is, well, God is so good and he's so loving that I don't have to do anything and he will still be okay with me. He already told you what love is. If you love me, keep my commandments. So I don't know how we get through that because you might say it's love and God is going to say, tell me how that is love when I already said, if you love me, keep my commandments. So how you're going to know you love him is how you keep his commandments. And if you're not keeping his commandments by getting involved and serving and having a passion and helping him to build up his kingdom that he's planning to give to you. Then what are we going to say to him? He wants you to get involved with him so he can just turn it over to you. What are we worrying about, church? What are we seeking after? What is, what, what, what are we trying to understand more of? What, what do we need to do? What needs to happen for us to make that decision, to will ourselves to obey, to get involved every day of our life? Every day of our life, every day of our life to get involved and live this life that God has called us to. God wants the, wants the best for you. And so he's calling you to that life. And the question is, what are you going to do about it? Because God is not going to force it down your throat. He's not going to make you. But he's calling you to it because he wants you to get involved with your inheritance. He wants you to get involved with what he's going to turn over to you. My God, my God, my God. We go to a lot of foreign countries. You see it a whole lot with um, even foreigners that come to America. You see when they start a business, always, most of the Chinese restaurants you go in, if it's a Chinese restaurant in a neighborhood, you watch their kid grow up. If it's a Chinese restaurant in a neighborhood, you watch their kid grow up. Because you saw the kid small. Baby on the chairs, 
till before you know it, the kid cooking or working the register. Then before you know it, the kid grow up. Before you know it, the kid going off to school and smart as smart can be because they got involved young. See how it works. I don't know what's wrong with us. I don't know why we don't get our stuff going and get involved. I don't know. And maybe that's why we won't get involved with God's kingdom. Because we got a problem with it. Maybe that's why in the foreign country we're seeing more people uh, respond to the gospel because they understand the concept better than we understand it here in America. Because we're so single-mindedly. We're so selfish. And because we can gain our own stuff in America, we just... Single. When you go to foreign country, you can do nothing by yourself. You better you better be ready to work with somebody. You better be ready to pay somebody off. You better have your army of people ready to work. But you can't go to no foreign country and talk about by yourself. You're going to get it done. I heard years ago that this Chinese family went and opened a Chinese restaurant in Jamaica. And... Um, you know, they started out and they started doing their thing. And one day, you know, one of these dudes in Jamaica, you know, one of these bad dudes in Jamaica went and looked around and didn't see one Jamaican work, working in the place. He turned around, Miss Chin, if I don't see a Jamaican person here tomorrow, now bundong this. <laughs> he said, I'm burning it to the ground. If I don't see one Jamaican working in here, next day he come back, guess what? A Jamaican person was working in there. <laughs> a Jamaican person was working in there. I'm only, I, it, it, that's funny, but I'm telling you, in foreign countries, you can do nothing by yourself. You better get people involved. Because if you don't get it involved, even people in their own will break it down. How you gonna come, how you gonna try to make money all by yourself? We all broke here. This gotta be shared. Only in America we can be selfish like this. You can't be like this in a foreign country. They shake you down quickly. <laughs> I don't know if that's good or bad. I, I'm just saying it's hard to be selfish there. The point is we got to stop being single-minded and stop being selfish and start to look at what God is saying to us and start to do and live life according to how God has taught us in the word. We read earlier that he says that a man's life does not consist of his abundance. We read earlier that God is going to turn over the kingdom to us that love him. But if we love him, what we do is we get involved with advancing the kingdom. And when we get involved, it means he can trust us to take control and do right by it and never have to worry about us because we love it and we had given our life for it. So if you're going to invest in, if you're going to inherit the kingdom of God, you got to invest in the kingdom of God. I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what else I can say to you. I just know we got to figure out a way to change something about us. We got we to we ask God today, how do we get this right? How, how, how will something change in us that we will see this thing the right way? Because if we continue the way that we're going, we're all going to be surprised when we die. Because the Bible says when we die, when, when we stop breathing in this world, the next thing we know 
is the next world where we're going to spend eternity. Well, not really true. The next world where we spend time until it's time to spend eternity for the rest of our eternal life. So when we die, we will either go in the presence of God or we would go to hell when we die. There's nothing in between. We go to hell or we go in the presence of God. And that's where we go until the rapture. And in the rapture, all those that are in the presence of God will now take on this indestructible body and will go with Christ. And those that were in hell eventually will be cast in the lake of fire. So when we leave here, we don't have any other negotiating skills. We don't have any other way of trying to make this work. We don't. So either we're going to make it right here on earth or we're going to be quite surprised when we open our eyes the next time. And listen to me. If you're like me, I calculate what I think I can handle and what I think I can't handle. You can't handle hell because it wasn't made for you. It was made for demons, fallen demons. It wasn't made for you. So if you ever dare think, I'm just going to live it up and just enjoy, just enjoy myself. And when I get to hell, I deal with hell. It wasn't made for you. So I can't even fathom how to deal with hell. I can't even get in my mind how that all worked, how I can exist in torment and then the lake of fire how would i exist i i just can't i can't and here whoo here's something i'll give you before i leave you today if we're doing all we can to store up treasures on earth to have our possessions and enjoy them and retire it means we like to be comfortable So tell me how will a comfortable person enjoy the lake of fire? If you trained yourself to be comfortable, how is that going to work? Listen, you know, you, know, you know why we came up with the Navy SEALs? Why am I getting into this? You know why we came up with the Navy SEALs? We had to get special forces because it was never going to be easy to go on foreign soil in Afghanistan and all of those Middle Eastern countries where they're having sun, sandstorms and all. We would have never been able to go over there and do work. The Marines and the Navy SEAL, when they come and play, it's a whole different ball. But they had to have special training. So they had to live uncomfortable lives so they can go deal with uncomfortable things. So thinking that we can be comfortable all of our lives here in America and we can deal with uncomfortableness and crazy torment and misery of hell, we're deceiving ourselves. We're deceiving ourselves because it won't work. And you will only know when you get there and can't nobody help you because the Bible says there's a great gulf fix in between Heaven and hell. Wherever you end up, you're going to be there for eternity because there can't be any crossing. You can't cross in and go over to hell and you can't cross in and go to heaven. Once you go to that place, all she wrote. Rich towards Christ. We need to build up some riches towards Christ. What are you doing to build up riches towards Christ? The effort that you have put into your job to your earning, to your material things. How much will you put in to be rich towards Christ? Can I also tell you this? Maybe I didn't mention this in the whole thing. 
If God allow you to obtain riches, the question you got to ask yourself is, what is that riches or those riches doing? Take care of you or take care of you and others. God never gives us anything for it to just be ours only. He even allowed the gifts of the Spirit to work in our lives so we can be a blessing to others. So if you ever think that what you have is just for you, you're making a mistake. God never entrusts you with abundance for you to just say, look at what I have. He's trusting you with abundance to help to build up the kingdom. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, move on us. Because we cannot continue, Lord God, to just live life in a reckless way, in a careless way, in an irresponsible way. But God, I pray that you will give us an encounter, a a divine encounter with you, Lord God, that, Lord, something will change within ourselves, Lord God. Lord, me. Or any one of us here today. We can't just continue to gather together and not experience change in our inward part. Oh, I hear the voice of God. I want to change you. I want to change you. But you have not given me the opportunity to change you. You've hid from me. You have rejected me. You have not accepted me. And you're not allowing me to work in your life until you give me this opportunity. Until you open your heart to me. Until you obey me. Until you trust me. Until you do what I command you. I can't change you. I can't do what needs to be done in your life until you surrender to me. Until you begin to look to me. Until you worship me. Until you call on my name sincerely and offer up the sacrifice of praise. Ah. 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 Oh, God, will you break off the invisible chains and shackles from our hands and from our feet, Lord God? Lord, if we have been bound by our adversary and by, oh God, all that we have allowed to be hoarded in our life, if we have been bound, will you set us free? Will you set us free? Oh God, hear me today, somebody. If you don't willingly begin to lose some things, you're going to lose them all without you having control of how you will lose them. If you don't begin 
begin to give willingly and freely, if you don't begin to invest in others and do the will of God and help to advance the kingdom of God, you're going to begin to lose those things that have been dear to you, those things that have been sacred to you. You will lose them if you don't willingly begin to give them. Oh, oh. Oh, God, whatever you want to do, will you do it, Lord? Will you help us, Lord? Will you move on us, Lord? Oh, God, that we will not be deceived, that we will not miss out on eternal life, and we will not, Almighty God, be bound. Father, help us today. That as we leave this place, Lord God, we will no longer be able to stay in that same mindset. But Lord, there will be a holy, oh God, uncontentment that will grab a hold of us. There will be a divine uncontentment that will move upon us. That Lord God, we will begin to give all of ourselves to you. Oh, for your sake, for your purpose. Lord God, I pray that you will move on this church, Lord God. That Lord, we will be a people that will awaken out of our sleep. That we will be a people that will say yes to your will and yes to your way. That we will be a people that will say, God, whatever you want me to do, that's what I'll do. Whatever you command me to do, that's what I will do. Oh, God, we love you. Teach us how to love you. Teach us how to love you. Teach us how to live for you. Teach us, almighty God. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Somebody, will you just lift your hands and be truthful and be transparent and be honest and be forthcoming and be true to God today and say, God, I hear your word. Now command me. I believe God has spoken to every heart in this room this morning. There is not one person standing here, including myself, that God has not spoken to. Now God wants to know what will you do now that he has spoken to you. Now what will you do? Uh, in the name of Jesus. 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 Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Somebody thank the Lord right now. Somebody just thank the Lord right now. Just come on, open up your mouth and say, thank you, Jesus. Come on, open up your mouth and say, thank you, Jesus. Open up your mouth and say, thank you, Jesus. Open up your mouth and say, thank you, Jesus. For every word spoken by the Lord, I say, thank you, Jesus. Come on, clap your hands one more time unto the Lord. Come on, clap your hands and praise Him. He alone is worthy of the praise. He alone is worthy to be honored, to be magnified, to be glorified. Jesus is the only wise God. Jesus is the only true and living God. Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Jesus.
Father who art in heaven. Jesus is our God. Clap your hands unto him.